Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Life on Side B, a ministry of posture shift where we just explore the joys, beauties, challenges of living according to the traditional sexual ethic as LGBT and same-sex attracted Christians. Um, Ashley and I are here and we have our mascot with us, the baby. Hello. Hello. Oh, so adorable. And we are joined by our friend Lucas. Lucas, how are you doing? Hello. Nice to, nice to have you all here. Nice to be with you. This is going to be I'm a fine. fun conversation. I hope so. Yes, oh, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, so for all everyone listening, you know, a little bit ago, we did a um, Grant and Henry did a conversation with Steve in um, in Kenya. And to give a little bit of context of what we're wanting to do, you're going to be seeing a series of conversations that we have sporadically throughout this um, throughout this season with um, side B Christians around the globe, different parts of the globe, different continents, because we want to be able to explore a little bit of the unique aspects of what it looks like to be side B in different cultural and uh, cu cultural contexts in different countries. I do also want to give a disclaimer in these conversations that Steve in Kenya, Lucas is in Brazil. We'll have someone in Europe. We'll have we'll hopefully have some other conversations, but everyone can't speak for an entire context, an entire country. Everyone is speaking for themselves. Lucas speaks for himself. Steve spoke for himself. Um, obviously, though, we, we will talk about the general context within different countries and different areas, but ultimately, Ashley, myself, Lucas, we can only speak to our experience within a culture. Um, so we want to give that disclaimer for anyone listening that might have a different experience in these in these situations that we're talking about. Well, Lucas, we are so glad to have you here. Um, and this has been a conversation I have been really excited about because, you know, you live in Brazil. Okay. Ashley and I have both lived in Latin America, even though many think that we're Latinos, but we're not. And <laughs> so I just talking about, you know, what it's like to be side B in Latin America, but more specifically in Brazil. Um, can you just share with us a little bit, give, give everyone listening a little bit more information about yourself. Um, you know, what's been your journey in sexuality like up to this point? Okay. So nice to meet you all. My name is Lucas Pestana. I am 36 years old. I was born in the state of Sao Paulo, uh, one of the major cities here in Brazil, mm -hmm. I think may have uh, learned about it and I, I was raised within this very traditional uh, church group called Church of Christ, uh, Igreja de Cristo. It's not very known in Brazil here but it is very well known in the US yes to my knowledge and um, I at least know of it that's all I know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, well um, like, okay, I don't quite belong to the um, Protestant, much less to the evangelical bubble, uh, to the evangelical subculture. I was always raised within my own group, which thought of themselves as the right church. Yeah. Um, which um, nowadays I am more open, open to learning more about other traditions. 
mm-hmm. even though I still have my preferences of doctrine, etc. Mm-hmm. But essentially, I was raised without the whole thing of like uh, gospel music, entertainment, uh, major ministries, which includes ministries about sexuality and dating and so on. The resources I had were like Sunday school classes for youth. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. However, uh, I should also say that um, my parents, they have been, they are very well-known figures here in the uh, Igreja de Cristo in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So, and also my dad and my mom too, they are theologians. They, um, they study the Bible and, the, and they, they teach the Bible for a living. So... I learned a lot from them, I still do, and a lot of my convictions came not only from how do I feel, what do I want, but actually following their example by going after study, Mm -hmm. learning. Like, so how did you find, how did you come to like side B, all of those kind of things, like what, how did that all work for you? It, well, it was very simple for me. Um, I read in my science books that uh, that was like the 90s, I guess. Um, <laughs> I read my science books like, okay, it's, it's just a phase most boys go through. So I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll turn 18 and it, it will magically go away. Mm. <laughs> and it didn't. <laughs> Surprise. So... <laughs> so I was like, okay, I, I have to deal with this somehow. Um, I was right sure, I was pretty sure right off the bat that um, homosexual sex, having sex with another man, was, from my understanding, a sin, something I shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I had the feelings, I felt same sex attraction, so how do I deal with that? So I tried to look up resources about um, how like accepting it, just like trying to change, trying to become ex-gay or something. It was never something I considered. Maybe because I wasn't bullied. Um, I was never like um, someone who got bullied for uh, uh, behavior or uh, clothes I like to wear or music I like to listen to. I was very like straight looking, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it was just a matter of how, what do I do with this? And then I found over time, very slowly, um, some like 2004, I guess, more or less, some resources on um, some people telling this, their stories usually some anonymous blog on the internet um, that, uh, okay, I, I am same-sex attracted, I am gay, yeah. but I am not going to go and do it because I don't believe it's right. And I thought, oh, that could be, that's something I agree with. Mm-hmm. That's something I can see myself going in that direction. Yeah. Uh, then over the years, 
I found more and more resources. I found uh, GCN, the Gate Christian Network, which now has been rebranded as QCF, I guess. Um, but yeah, then it, I had my first contact with Side B in the US with this, this whole perspective had a name and, uh, and a theology to back it up. Mm. So, yeah. And I, I had like periods of like getting more in touch with it. Yeah. Staying more away from it, trying to focus on my studies. Uh, trying to stay away from the drama. Stuff. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my parents very often said to me, uh, like, Lucas, you cannot focus on this. Uh, we want you to focus on your studies, on this and that. And um, so I stepped back at a number of times to do other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've been friends with some people say, okay, Ron Delgado, I consider him a close friend of mine. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have the privilege of talking to him uh, privately since the days of, of Google Talk. And... Yeah, um, and and over the years, um, some friends, um, at first from the United States, North America, and other countries, mostly U.S., and then from other countries, even Brazil, I started to meet them and share stories and resources with them. Nowadays, I am in touch. I'm not publicly out. Mm-hmm. I don't um, talk much about my sexuality in public. I like yeah. to be private, um, even though I'm doing this for the purpose of this podcast. <laughs> Which we're very um, thankful. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure, actually. Yeah. And but I, what was I saying? I I, I prefer to keep it yeah. more to myself, and I usually like do my stuff behind the scenes mm-hmm. not showing my face very much like here yeah but actually um just talking talking to people like sending them a private message and providing whatever support and sometimes resources i have yeah or know of that's good well you kind of described about how you found a lot of your resources which was very similar to when I lived in South America was just kind of just having to to find find what I could on the internet and looking it up because like you said it wasn't something that's very talked about in churches um, much let's see who would you say are like the bigger voices right now in Brazil leading the LGBT conversation and faith type thing um and I know because you sent us some resources, and they actually have more than a little, a little more than I expected. You have yeah. side A voices that you mentioned that you don't interact with much, but you know of them, and a few different side B voices mm-hmm. and people that just kind of try to, at the very least, lead the conversation. Like, what is what does that look like right now? Uh, well, so I must say that uh, okay, I I tried looking up resources in Spanish. Uh, but there were two major problems. First, um, I'm not as fluent in Spanish as I am in Portuguese or English. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a bit of a stumble block. And um, second, 
despite that, I do have some search skills, but I was unable to find a lot. So Spanish, really, there's I really think, nothing. Yeah, there's very, very there's, little. There's guiding families, so, like posture shift translated guiding families. I, which is you. Yes, which is me. <laughs> um, Preston Sprinkle at the... I'm just going to help you with this because I do know a little bit about what's in Spanish. Um, um, Press and Sprinkle from the Center of Faith, Sexuality, and Gender um, translated Grace and Truth, their whole thing. Oh, they did? I know, mm -hmm. Yeah, they did. They translated their oh, whole curriculum. Cool. I didn't know that. And, and then the videos go with the, the, pro, with the training. They put subtitles, subtitles on them. Subtitles, right, yeah. Yeah, which, hey... Latin America's used to that. Um, oh, yeah. And then, um, I mean, Christopher Yuan's books, I think even his new book is in um, is in. Those, those tend to be in Spanish. He has those in, like, a few Is languages. Gay Girl Good God in Spanish? Yes. I can't. That's in yes. four languages. That's in four languages. Who? Um, uh, Jackie, Jackie Hill Perry's Hill book. So, okay, okay. Um, yeah. There's not really much side A stuff in Spanish. Uh, I don't even know exactly. of anything, honestly. And then there's like a bunch of ex-gay, like ex-ex-gay. Like yeah, because that's what <laughs> that's what they had for the longest time. Um, I think when I started going through stuff, it was a guy from Colombia. His wife's from Brazil. He went mm. to Exodus in Ecuador, and a lot of the resources he actually had were from Brazil. Um, when I first started trying to learn, I read like a lot of the resources he had. The first time I was even introduced to Exodus was actually through David and Brenda Riker. Mm, okay. Years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, and Lucas, that's what really stood out to me as we connected was because we started connecting about resources. And I was amazed by how many are in Portuguese, knowing how much are in Spanish. Exactly. So we had a few things happening here. Uh, okay. So uh, publicly... The, uh, the major voice in the conversation, I would say we don't quite have an institution as strong as uh, Exodus International was in the United mm -hmm. States, which is yes. good. <laughs> Thank goodness we don't have that. But I mean, we didn't have that, I think. Um, to, at least to my knowledge, me living in the Church of Christ, the Igreja de Cristo bubble. Yeah. Um, um, but... Uh, the, the major voices here, they have usually been of very conservative pastors. Uh, you may have heard of this guy called um, Silas Malafaya. Not sure no. if that name will no. bell. It probably will Maybe. to many, um, if any, oh, yeah. listeners. Silas Malafaya um, to uh, many... Uh, okay. I'm a little afraid to say that because some people here might be that, but those, um, uh, what, what do you call them? Those TV preachers, those prosperity gospel preachers, uh -huh. mm -hmm. which are mostly about like uh, making money. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems those people found that uh, many decades ago that offering to change someone's sexuality was a great way to, to make money. Mm. I'm not saying everyone's mm -hmm. like that. I, I do. Yeah. I do believe there are some people who are sincere in their efforts to help. Mm -hmm. But many years ago, you would find like resources on how to leave homosexuality, how to fix 
your sons or your daughter's yeah. sexuality and so on. So that has been it for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, then, in recent years, things started changing. We do have um, some very important, um, some very mostly what we call side Y voices here in Brazil, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it is the posture that says, okay, you don't need to be ex-gay, but your identity needs to be in yeah. Christ. It is, needs to be as a son, as a daughter of God, not as any of those LGBTQ whatever letters. Uh, it is Christ only, mm -hmm. period. So, um, over the years, especially recent years, we've had books by many famous sci-y authors such as, I think, Christopher Yuan, maybe? I'm pretty sure Rosaria Butterfield. Um, and a couple of others. And um, some of the best that I like the most here are guys like um, Sam Albury, mm -hmm. uh, which I really like. Um, Ed Shaw, mm -hmm. my, my personal favorite in Portuguese. Um, what else? Yeah. And others, they there has been there has been an effort from the uh, from some Christian publishers, mostly uh, the the reformed ones, to bring the to bring let that literature to Portuguese. Mm -hmm. um, and in recent years, also, uh, we have seen the advance of um, the advancement of side eight voices too, like the ones that are. Fully affirmed. Yes. Um, so we have had a number here. Um, I would say probably one of the most well-known voices here is one called um, Evangelics, with an X replacing the um, the final. Of course. Vowel. Yes. I'm um, saying more for the branding. That sounds like a that sounds like the brand like a branding for that kind of group. <laughs> it does. Uh, um, their, their full their full name is Evangelics pela diversidade, Evangel Evangelics mm -hmm. for diversity, and there are there are plenty of others. But then in more in, in even more recent years, uh, we slowly started to see um, very little but high quality side B stuff in Portuguese, mm. uh, and I think that's something. I mean, we don't we don't have many sidewide resources in, in other Latin American countries. Yeah. Only a few, like you mentioned, and side and through side B, that's very rare. So, um, um, and part of that is um, I have a I had a I have and I had a participation mm -hmm. in that, even though yeah. So okay, even even though on the TV. In the newspaper, you might not you might not hear very much about many things other than those big pastors, big leaders speaking. When you go to when you do a Google search, when you go to Twitter, to Instagram, to TikTok, I guess, um, where the uh, where the youth are, then you can find a way more resources from all perspectives, all across the board. But um, for side B, I would say uh, some of the 
most important things we have here are two of them. Um, one is um, called Vivendo em Comunhão, uh, Living in Communion. The initials are like VEC, VEC. And that's a project started by some friends of mine. I participate as a translator. I help translate um, tweets, uh, articles, and proofread texts. And we publish um, material on discussions on race, on sexuality, on friendship, uh, spiritual friendship, and relationships and so on. Mostly from a, a conservative mm -hmm. perspective, from a, an, an orthodox, uh, theological, theologically orthodox perspective. And that's very unique. Um, we are doing like very well. We, we have many people are connecting with us and they are learning more about um, like like trying to forcefully change your sexuality should not be your main goal but just i like to say it like doing the best with what yeah. you've got and it's been great um for anyone interested for anyone who can read portuguese uh understand portuguese it's at uh viving comunhão mm -hmm. without the tilde viving comunhão on um, yep. Medium, Instagram, Twitter, and we'll Telegram, put all of that in the um, in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, the other one is <clears throat> the other one is a podcast called um, yep. Conflictu, um, like conflict but with a U. Conflictu by a Brazilian researcher and a Christian guy called um, Thales Moda. Mm -hmm. Thales is spelled with a T-H-L-E-S, Moda. And um, again, it's in Portuguese, although he has sometimes uh, partnered with people and um, episodes like yeah. in English. I was, I was very fascinated like when he did his whole thing with Peter Volk and how they had like an exactly. episode in English and an episode in Portuguese. It was the same like episode. But I, I was very intrigued by that. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, those are um, uh, these two. Uh, oh, and, and you can find him at um, in Portuguese again and sometimes in English. Um, at Conflict to Cast on many platforms like Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, um, and, and others. Um, however... There are other voices, too, if you want me to mention them. Yeah. There are others, which have, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you, you can just, like, quickly mention those, and then we'll go on with that. So, um, there is this um, profile on Instagram called um, <clears throat> Galatas 328, mm -hmm. Galatians 328, which publishes a lot of content across the board um, to people in any of the sides or outside of them uh, to LGBTQ and same-sex attracted Christians. So Galat uh, it's at Galatas328 at Ga Galatas328 on Instagram 
it is quite good. Uh, there is um, uh, this other one called um, Iris Projeto, um, um, like Iris Project. They do offer resources. Um, they're they're very side why, mm -hmm. and they essentially they are encouraging people to get closer to God, yeah, and not focus on the sexuality so much. Um, uh, sometimes, which is something that bothers me, sometimes they will take on a very they will just focus too much energy on the identity uh, language problem. Yeah. But overall, it's a, it's a good resource. It's yeah. Um, and two other ones. Um, there is um, Courage Brazil. Courage Brazil, uh, the ministry for uh, Roman Catholic Christians. Uh, I, I'm not Catholic, of course, so I don't know much about it. Um, but I know it exists. And that's pretty much all yeah. I know about them. Um, so they are there. Mm -hmm. uh, there are also resources, to my knowledge, for, uh, say, Later Day Saints, Mormons, yeah. uh, and to other believers, too. Yeah. And finally, there is... Um, where is it? Yeah. There is Exodus Brazil, uh, which... Like, when I first heard of it, I thought, oh my goodness, Exodus, oh no. Because of what I knew of Exodus International yeah. from my North American friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, so it is connected to something larger, the Exodus Global Alliance, mm -hmm. which is a very side X, sometimes Y organization. They, they kind of, like, toggle in between those two things. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, and... Here in Brazil, we have voices like all across the board. Uh, we have the uh, the more old-fashioned ones, pro pro ex-gay therapy, but we do have some. Uh, one of the best voices is this woman called um, Andrea Vargas, mm -hmm. uh, and she she's she's more like. Um, I want to embrace the LGBTQ, the same-sex attracted people, and let God do like the work if needed. Uh, but I'm here to talk to you and listen to you. So unlike some other people, uh, I really appreciate her job because she actually listens to LGBTQ people and to the larger yeah. LGBTQ community. Yeah. So she's very popular. She um, she has uh, on uh, paid online courses, and she gives interviews on the internet every now and then, and so mm -hmm. on. So yeah. yeah, well, and and oh, go ahead. No, no, that's pretty much it. Um, and there have been, uh, like I said. M m most books that we have here, they have been translated from English, English. yes. <laughs> but we have had a very small number, but a, uh, a few books published in Portuguese okay. by Brazilian authors. So and we can that's something 
Great. Yeah. And, you know, for everyone listening, we're going to put all of these resources pretty much... Lucas is great on the resources. We will be putting all of it in the show notes. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's been one of the things that struck me, even as we've looked at, like, doing this on um, what side B looks like in different contexts, cultural contexts. And, and I think for me, Brazil more than any other place has surprised me by the amount of just conversation that's happening from all sides. Um, and then on, on top of that, that even side B itself, because like I said, in the Spanish speaking part of Latin America, it's really non, it's very, very small. Um, even Europe, it's not as big, and we're going to talk about that in another episode. It's, it's not as big as many people think that it's happening. Um, and, um, you know, in other places, but Brazil has been a, a thing. So I would first love to hear like, then, you know, you've, you've kind of talked about a little bit as you've talked about, like, these are all the different voices. Um, but what does the sexuality conversation look like in Brazil? Um, you know, both as a whole and as a church, but more specifically, I'd love to hear from you. Where do you think it looks differently than how it's looking in North America? Again, from your perspective. Um, I know this is all from your perspective. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, take my take my voice here, my opinion, with a, with a grain of salt here, because I'm someone who is not part of the evangelical um, culture. Uh, but I do think uh, we have had okay. We have had some like uh, those ex gay and ex 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 gay scandals. Mm -hmm. um, there was one very known in the nineties. But anyway, I think this, the thing here, I'm pretty sure plenty of people have been hurt by conversion therapies. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I, I, I do believe some of them were successful, but most of them were, were just hurt. Um, so, but I think that has not been too big an issue like it, it has always been in, say, uh, North America, in Canada, in the US. Um, so... He, here, like, the Brazilian government only recently uh, recognized um, same-sex marriage, not just civil union, yeah. as a thing, uh, with legal support. So, I... In, a, in, other, in other words, uh, in many regards, we are, like, taking baby steps. In the U.S., you have had a long history of dealing with all of that. In here, I feel uh, there's not much talk about it. There hasn't been. Or maybe people would say many voices have been silenced. Maybe. That's also a possibility. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, huh, I, I don't see that much of an issue with um, the whole uh, ex-gated conversion therapies here. I, I think like the, that part of the conversation not is not as strong. Exactly. I do think they exist. And yes. I think a lot of parents, when they worry, oh, my son, my son could be gay, my daughter could be lesbian. They do send him to camps that promise to cure them. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing. But for the most part, especially now because we have social media, these young people, they can just connect on the internet with other people. 
Yeah. They can just go to Facebook, Twitter, yeah. to Instagram, to TikTok, and find um, other people who try to convince them of something. Mm-hmm. So um, the great debate, I would say the great debates, they are happening in two fronts right now in the present here in Brazil. Uh, one of them is the identity uh, question. How should I identify? Yeah. Uh, I personally, maybe because I'm in the closet, I don't talk about it very much. Unlike uh, what I do is more important than what I say. That's my perspective uh, and how I take it. So I don't. I don't really say publicly. I'm gay. I'm sensitive affected. I'm whatever. I just say I am myself. That's the that's the label I accept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, the identity thing, where whether you can identify as LGBTQ, uh, IA plus, etc., or whether you can only identify, only have your identity in Christ, uh, which is the term used in the West, or your identity as a child of God. So that has been a big part of many many heated, uh, say, uh, Twitter uh, discussions. At these times, yeah. I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm, I'm not. At these times, I'm very f- thankful. I'm not very active on Twitter. Me too. <laughs> if it weren't for having the podcast have an account on there, I wouldn't be on there at all. But I mean, That's I am so a person who does love drama. I love to watch it. Don't love to be in it. That's great in Twitter, but it's it gets too much for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's me too. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's to me. Go ahead. To me, Twitter. To me, Twitter is essentially a place to uh, share and check the news. That's what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like how um, I think a few different things. First of all, um, people a lot of times in North America think that because Exodus International fell in the United States, that Exodus is not still existing in other parts of the world. In Latin America, it's still very, very much real. It's taken a different route than necessarily Exodus International in the States, as you said. And I think that's true throughout all Latin America. That Like, ex- Exodus in Colombia kind of is similar. Like, has, has begun to take a not completely ex-gay approach kind of like side y exactly um you'll still they'll still sometimes say things where like that's very ex-gay <laughs> it's very much trying to change attraction but um but yeah exactly that's go ahead that's the case with say i would attribute that in brazil here in particular to this i'm sure there are many players but especially to this one person to this andrea vargas mm-hmm. who's the current president of Exodus Brazil. They have, there have been others, but she's the president. In her approach, um, she obviously, she has her, con- her convictions. She is herself a, uh, a heterosexual uh, cisgender woman. Mm-hmm. So she knows uh, her place, she knows where she's speaking from. Uh, but at the same time, the one thing that I admire the most about her is, and I think it makes her stand out 
among others, and it makes Exodus Brazil have a, a somewhat more health, somewhat healthier approach than, say, Exodus International in the U.S. She is, I think, she is more about. I want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. I want to listen to your story, yeah. rather than outright offering you a book and saying this is what you should do. Yeah. I'm 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 a pastor, which is not. I, I'm I am above in in a higher hierarchy than you. Mm-hmm. So you should just listen to me and do what I say. Yeah. Which is like the feeling we often get from many books. Mm-hmm. Uh, why should I listen to this pastor? Why should I? Um, by this, well, because he's a pastor, because he's a priest, yeah. because he's because he is, uh, you know, she's more of a an important Christian than yeah. you, essentially. So, yeah. um, another question I'd love to ask you, and I don't think this is on our list, so I apologize. <laughs> um, you know, I I would love to hear for you what it's been like for you as a side B Christian mm-hmm. to find community and not like that can be like just in general. Cause I, I know that like in, um, again, in my experience of Columbia, um, mm-hmm. I have found that like, you know, the nuclear family stays very tight knit, even like there's not, at least in Colombian culture, I have found there's not the same pressure as there is in the United States to like move out when you turn 18. Like, families live together longer. Normally, unless you end up getting married and you move out, like, you might live with your parents till you're 30, till you're 40, whatever. Um, and, like, I, I, I sense, I would think, it seems like, yeah, that's similar in Brazil. Do you feel like that, in your context, in other, like, celibate gay Christians' context, do you feel like that has been a help in developing community, a hurdle like the the strong nuclear family, what has that been like for you? So yeah, that's a very good question. Um, uh, I'm gonna say here that I really like my family. I get a lot of support from them. We're still on a journey of like understanding each other, and especially they are like, okay, Lucas, we support you in celibacy, but we are worried that you might just lose focus. Mm-hmm. So uh, go off the bandwagon. No. I'm just- <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's something to be um, careful with. Yeah, and even in in my case, especially, uh, I'm not I'm not just um, a Christian in a church. You know, I am the son of two very important figures yes. in the in a micro universe, but still, it's a whole universe of the Igreja de Cristo of the Church of Christ here in Brazil. That's the main reason why I haven't publicly mm. uh, come out yeah. as anything at all. Why I usually keep silent on my public media about it. Mm. Uh, because I fear that could have a negative impact on them and how that could be used against them by yeah. people who dislike them, people who want to cause them harm. With that being said, uh, yeah, I do think, especially some years ago, uh, Brazilian culture is more Latino. It's more like about families that are very tight, tightly knit together, uh, very strong bonds. Um, okay, sometimes, yes, sometimes uh, youth will move out to another city 
for the to the university to the college for or because they got they got married and they are moving yeah. out in a way mm-hmm. uh, but very often people will uh, like I, I did I did my undergrad and my masters living under my parents roof mm-hmm. uh, which is something very normal to me yeah uh, I many people will get married but they will still live in the same city as their parents mm-hmm. and often their parents their parents in law too so families here are very often like connected yeah, very tight-knit uh, I feel like yeah I feel like like in the, in the US for instance there's this whole thing about uh, when your teenage years are over when you are like 17 or 18 or something yeah. you essentially you're 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 going away to college and from there to your very own independent life mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, that's at least what that's what I get from Hollywood films and <laughs> it's very true I mean like for for everything which is I, I'm not saying that in the side B realm we're lying or something that like for everything we talk about in side B about the like idolization of marriage and the nuclear family which is absolutely true um I would say compared to most other places in the world, um, the United States definitely has an idea of like the nuclear family is important, but once you go in 18, you're, you're kind of your own family. You, you need to develop your own thing. You might stay connected. I know my family in the United States is a rare bird in that like my, my aunts and uncles all still live in the same town. My sister lives next door to my parents. Like, we see each other on a regular basis, have dinner regular basis. Like I know my cousins very easily. Like there, that is possible in the United States, but I would feel like that's more of the exception than the rule. Whereas in Latin America, like the family I lived with in Colombia, like you had a family with three adult children, all with like master's degrees, none married. And so they all live with their parents and there's nothing (laughs) viewed wrong about that. Whereas exactly. in U.S. culture, if that happened, it would be like, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, okay, so i got to say something else yeah. here. Um, so far, even though we've had a few bumps along the road, my experience with my family has been very good. Mm-hmm. But then again, my parents, uh, they are uh, very open-minded. So is my sister. I do have one sister. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we are very conservative, too. Yeah. But they are uh, willing to listen. Yeah. Um, they um, they also have like higher education. Um, so both the university, uh, we are not rich in terms of money, but we have always had like a very good life. We have never went through like um, uh, like days of hunger or something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, days of without being able to pay rent. That's not been part of, ex- of our experience, thanks God. Mm. So, uh, and when I talked to them about my sexuality, that there, there was a lot of difficulty, a lot of drama, many years of like, are we on the same page? Um, it, it's been yeah. complicated, <laughs> but still, uh, there was a lot, lots of support and um, minimal rejection. Yeah. Um, that's not the story for many people. Yeah. Um, 
that's not the story of many people who hide uh, uh, their sexuality from their families yeah. because they feel they won't be understood and very often they are not mm-hmm. when they do come out. Yeah. Uh, some of them, um, I would say, okay, some of them do get sent to those ex-gay camps, but many of them also, they are just kicked out of home, mm-hmm. which is, I, I, I think it, it can be even worse. I don't know. Yeah. So. Because um, you're on your own then. Maybe. That's one of the hard parts about getting kicked out is it's not like. Exactly. It, you're, you then have to figure things out. And depending on your age, I, that's very traumatic, you know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that has been complicated. Um, and finding community, like many people have found community, especially in those online spaces. In the era, in the in the pre-Facebook era, in Brazil we had um, in Brazil while while you guys had MySpace, we had Orchid. Okay. Here. <laughs> so we with uh, an MSN Messenger. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we st- uh, people started building those online connections, like meeting other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people here, they have found a, I would dare say, um, a second or third family mm-hmm. uh, besides their own uh, nuclear blood family, which may or may not welcome them, embrace them, and their church, where this, their family, the faith, mm-hmm. where the situation is even worse. Yeah. People are just... <laughs> Especially many, especially many um, very conservative churches. Yes. I, I would say people don't understand. You. I would say that was my experience oh. in Colombia. Again, and I'm coming as a, per, a U.S. person that lived in Colombia, mm-hmm. not as a Colombian, but like, um, like in the family unit, you would find even in conservative families, I'd found a more a higher propensity for understanding, for willing to listen. Not always, not always. Not always, but more than what people in country, like people in the United States would think, even in conservative families, you would find a higher propensity for that. In churches, it's harder, you know? Um, Absolutely. Um, I I do have a question again, unless you had, and by the way, everyone might be wondering, where is Ashley? Um, The baby called. And so she had to get out um, in order for, um, to take care of the baby. So she's very sad and we miss her, but she will be on another episode later on. Um, I guess two, two more questions I would like to ask. And again, these are, you know, y'all, I try to send questions ahead of time to guests. And then sometimes like this, I just go rogue. And then I ask random questions that have come up. No problem. Um, two questions. Well, we'll start with one. Um, what are some things that you wish, like having the side B conversation in the States, what do you wish? And, and you know, like we, many times that, that just becomes the dominating voice, the dominating voice in this conversation internationally, maybe a little bit Australia. Now that we have like a few Australian voices that are pretty don- like David Bennett and that, um, what do you wish people in the West, you know, Western North American, Australian conversation, would know from your experience of being side B in Latin America, in Brazil, 
what are some things you wish they would know? So um, the first thing is I want to wish to all of our, um, especially side B and allies, uh, brothers, sisters, siblings, and so on uh, in North America, especially in the United States and other English-speaking countries, is um, we are, I am, thankful. I'm grateful to your existence and for you starting these conversations many years ago and essentially clearing the path for others. So um, I, I, I really feel like uh, grateful for um, talking to other people and listening to their experiences so we kind of know where we are and what to do next in here. Mm-hmm. And how can we like try to avoid some of the uh, pitfalls you, you have fallen into? Yep. <laughs> and do our own thing. We are trying. Not sure if you are succeeding, but we are trying. Um, Looking at North America and go, that's the way they went. Okay, let's not go there. <laughs> let's go over here. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, not quite. I'm, you know. Yeah, I'm exaggerating. Um, Continue. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean um, if I may, may uh, make a little detour yeah. here. Uh, the second thing, the, the main thing here, the main conversation is about identity. Mm. Uh, but the second most important core thing in the conversations here has been about um, how um, like side bay was originally about affirming same-sex marriage. But that was it. But it was still monogamous. It was still side a. Uh, committed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And these days, it has evolved. Uh, I think it, it, um, I think there was, I think it was Justin Lee himself, who used to say that it is now site AAA or something, where it's more um, like polyamorous relationships, non-monogamy, and giving even more emphasis to uh, identity based on sexuality and gender rather than just talking about sex so that has been a big part of the um that's not a good word i'm sorry mm-hmm. but about the agenda about the uh, the uh, the conversations here in brazil uh from the more progressive people um they want the church to not only talk about two people of the same sex in bed but much more than that mm-hmm. much yeah. Larger and and that's something that maybe because I'm a little old-fashioned, but I'm I'm not very comfortable with to be honest. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I should mention this. Um, I was, if not the main person, one of the main persons responsible for bringing the uh, sides framework to Brazil. A B Y X. Um. And like, I have a very small reach online, but I was in touch with other people who had a much broader reach. And they spread it on WhatsApp groups, on Twitter discussions and so on. So nowadays, at least among the youth and a few pastors that are active online, uh, it's a language they know of. Yeah. Yeah, because you made a whole document in, in Portuguese. Yes, exactly, which 
has which is um, I write under a uh, pseudonym, mm. but it's my compilation. Mm-hmm. I, I did yeah. it um, under the pseudonym uh, Living Vinyl. It's online. Um, then, yeah. So if anyone says um, in Brazil, eu sou lado A, eu sou lado B, uh, I am side A, B, etc. People know what they're talking about, especially online. But not only that, when I first shared it, I shared the a picture in English from a website. Um, I think it was Strength of His Mind. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. From Gabriel Blanchard's um, podcast. Exactly. Or blog. And, and then uh, there was something unique there. It did not only include the uh, the main the four main positions A B Y X, but also some middle mm-hmm. ones C one between A and B C two between B and Y, uh, C three between Y and X. If you're confused about this, you're listening to isn't you're confused? Just I'll just I will me. I will put a link to to it from <laughs> exactly. um, Gabriel's blog. But like something about Brazilian culture is we have our Jeitinho, um, the Brazilian way of trying to adapt and do things. Um, so something that has happened because I shared that image, and it has been reshared over and over again. Um, people here they do not see so much each of those positions as an individual thing, mm. but there's more of a continuum, mm. and people are more comfortable. Um, saying I'm a, I'm in a especially C1 position. Mm. I'm between this whether I should have or not have sex with the same sex person. Mm. Uh, so there's much more fluidity in that. It is. It is much more fluid. Um, and again, some people are rejecting it altogether, either on the identity basis, like this conversation is too identity based. Let's just talk about God. And some other people are rejecting it also because, uh, you know, say side A, that's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like talking about, okay, that's a very bad comparison. But it's like talking about, say, animals or plants. That's too generic a term. There are many people in, the, in that category. There are many different views and many different ways of including and affirming and some demand more inclusion and affirmation than than I initially thought was possible. Mm-hmm. So what I mean to say by all this is first uh, to all people in the US listening, thank you. Second, uh, the conversations here are advancing, and I would say they are moving um, slowly but steadily away from the sides framework, mm-hmm. evolving into something. I hope better. Yeah. I hope um, so too. We need. We can use a different framework. <laughs> we, we we can. It's 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 useful language, but it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and even here, people here have been saying this a lot. Uh, we are our own country. Why should, why should we just copy and paste? Yep. 
the, the, this US language. Uh, maybe we can build our own thing. And uh, from initiatives such as Vivendi Comunhão, I kind of see that happening. I kind of see uh, that, okay, we are side B, we are this and that, but uh, that's not the main focus of, of our conversation, of what we have to say. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, that makes sense. That And I, I think that that's something good, like... I think it's so important in these in these discussions. Um, you know, Bridget Eileen even did a Twitter thing a little bit a while ago, asking in Latin America people's feelings about even LGBTQ labels, not like from a theological standpoint, but from a cultural standpoint. Like, did you feel like it was like mm -hmm. imposed on the community in Latin America, or do you feel comfortable using them or not? And like, it was interesting to find. Like you had, you have a lot of people that in Latin America are fine using LGBT like labels to identify themselves. You have other people that just feel it's very Western, like it's just an imposed system. And so I think that in all of these different things, it's like, it's that way of, obviously there's good things happening in the North American conversation that can be used and can be brought over, but then allowing within the context of every country and every culture to see how it naturally evolves because it will naturally evolve on its own, separate from the conversation happening there. Just Even just when you have two cultures as similar as Australia and the United States, even how those two have, have evolved in different ways and being able to know that and to... to I, I think the one thing that... Um, and this is something for anyone in North America that's listening that I would like to also say is um, we are so used to everyone around the world paying attention to the conversation in our context, and we never take the time to pay attention to the conversation happening in other contexts. And I know sometimes there's a language barrier, obviously. Like, I try to stay up whenever I see tweets on LGBT and faith issues in Portuguese, and I tr it's a practice of my Portuguese, which I need. I've wanted, I want to I wanna do better at it. I've listened to, like, a, two episodes of Conflictu, and um, working on it there. But um, I, I'm at a point where I can understand a lot. I, I, and I, I'll, I'll speak Spanish and hopefully someone will understand what I'm trying to say. Um, anyway. Español es muy bueno. Gracias. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I would just say my encouragement here would be to everyone is take an opportunity, like even Australia, just even like, us in Australia and Europe and, and a lot of these places and even in Latin America and in like even stuff like with Steve Mundia that we were talking about in Africa, like in Kenya, he, um, he, he does a lot of writings in English. Um, I think it's really important that we see what's happening internationally in these conversations and learning about what's happening there. Cause we can get very U S center focused and simply to what's happening in our own context. Um, so, so I would love that. Go ahead. Yeah, something I would like to add here is, um, oh my goodness. Okay. Something I'd like to add here about all of this is, um, essentially when you asked about community and how do you find other people, uh, people have, have been finding each other online and sometimes, and very often, like, I, I've met great people. I've, I've met you. Yeah. I've met Rondal Gao. I've met uh, many others. But we live continents apart. Mm. 
And we think, oh, and we think, oh, how about people who live in your country? Well, it, it doesn't help if one person lives in uh, in California and the other lives in New York. It's different. <laughs> it's still very far. Yeah. Or uh, in here, even if we find people who live, say, um, I I currently live in Recife, in the northeastern mm-hmm. region, and I can talk to people who live in Brasilia, uh, in uh, Porto Alegre, in the mm-hmm. south, in Rio. Uh, I can even talk to people who live in a neighboring state such as João Pessoa, uh, state of Paraíba, which is very close, but still. I We don't go out very much, so... And even if you find someone who lives in your city, um, you might as well live in different neighborhoods, in different areas. And even if you do, clicking and forming a connection, that's something else entirely, you know. Um, so, but then, people have formed these, uh, these online communities. They have slowly been uh, flourishing and becoming greater. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for the long... Okay, for the longest time, I didn't know about Andrea Vargas, about Exodus, about many uh, ministries here in Brazil, uh, mostly side one, yeah. but I didn't know about them. All I knew was I'm trying to find my own path. I'm trying to help people. And for the longest time, I saw things like um, the, uh, the Gay Christian Network website, I saw uh, a large side B group on Facebook and other things. And I was like, oh, I wish we had something like that. Mm. And I'll just cross my arms and wait until it happens. And w- when it does, I'll join in. And then over the years, that has been a very slow realization. It only, like, maybe it won't happen un- unless I do it. Um, <laughs> so... Um, I did it. I, I, okay, I'm not a very well-known or even well-heard voice online. Uh, There are many people who speak louder than me, but I would say that I'm one of the key people that have been responsible for, like, bringing some of the language and creating some conversations that have not, that have now evolved into um, into the Conflict Podcast, the Vivendi Comunion Project, and many pastors here in Brazil talking about this. Um, so my message, he- okay, that sounds very like I'm bragging or something, but I'm not mm-hmm. really. Uh, no, but like my message here to anyone listening, because here in Brazil, we also have a tendency like we are the... Uh, the biggest country in, in, in South America, mm-hmm. Latin America. We have uh, more economic influence than others, uh, which may not be so much true nowadays, sadly. But uh, our Portuguese is more spoken than other Portugueses. Mm-hmm. So we tend, like US, we, tend, we Brazil tend to impose our culture on others. You should listen to us. Mm-hmm. But maybe my message, um, I don't want to sound proud, but my message to people in other countries, do look for resources in other languages and in your language too. 
But most importantly, uh, maybe, just maybe, um, think and pray about the possibility that God may want you to do something about it, rather than, yes. like me, cross your arms and wait for it to happen. Mm -hmm. It may happen, sure, but um, it may be one of us, a regular person, who okay. uh, may be invited by God to, you know, take action. Yeah. That I was just, when I first started, um, many things that I did, I was just connecting to people who wrote some reviews on Amazon, who posted a tweet here and there, and stuff like, or who made a comment on a YouTube video. Um, these were some of the first people I found here in Brazil. Some, not uh, another one came from the Facebook group. But the, the community uh, thing started when one of them needed help. When one of them uh, said to himself, I, I don't want to live anymore. I, can, I cannot live with this. And I was like, okay, I alone, I cannot help him very much. But maybe if he connects to other people besides me, um, more help will come. Mm -hmm. And essentially, that's how it all started. Wow. That, that's how the whole um, community-ish yeah. thing in Brazil here started. That's so good. Um, helping each other. Yeah. Well, and I, I yeah, I, I love that. And I think that that's like a great place to like finish this off on. It's like, you know, ultimately someone has to start these conversations in their context and we can't wait. Like, I remember when we talked to Wesley Hill and asking him why he wrote, wrote Washed and Waiting, um, his main thing was, well, I wanted the book, I wanted to read the book, so I just decided to write it. Like, and I think that that's such a great encouragement. Like, if you're listening to this and you are anywhere in Latin America and you're like, I really don't see a conversation, like, look at Lucas. Like, you don't have to be this prominent voice. You don't have to be this thing. You can, you can find ways to do it and to help the conversation move and and no one person can do it by themselves but with each person taking steps um we can be we can begin to allow these conversations to happen in our in our communities in our neighborhoods and that's courage so like i want to thank you for everything you've done and and everything that's happening in the brazilian side b community this has been awesome to watch and i can't wait to see in five years ten years what this looks like even more me too. Yeah. It will be. It's 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 good. To, it's good to, to to watch it, and to be in to in some degree, to be part Absolutely. of of the story. And sometime soon, I will be coming to Brazil. I've never been, and I want to. So, Please it will do. happen. Well, thank you, thank you, Lucas. This has been so much fun talking with you. Really, really appreciate you being on here. Um, it's been great. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you very much, Ashley. Yes, and Ashley, we love you. I hope that I hope she sent me a picture of her with the baby, and the baby had fallen asleep. So, um, for everyone listening, um, yes, I want to say again, as we said at the beginning, this every every person we're having on these top on these episodes about side B in their context, this is their voice. There, we want to include more, you know. 
um, Brazilian voices as we go forward. You know, who knows? Maybe one day we'll do an episode in Portuguese when my when my Portuguese gets good enough. Um, but um, yeah, we are thankful for ever, like for you, Lucas and Steve, and everyone who's been coming on to help us get these kind of contexts. Um, and you know, for everyone, thank you for listening. If you want to support um, Life on Side B. Please go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash lifeonsidebe. You become, become a patron there. We have different tiers. Join our Discord community. Help have a conversation with us there. Um, or give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love it. We we write a review and we'll we'll read it off on um, online. So we would love that. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.